what's good everybody in Chicago? This is the Spawn on Me podcast, episode 245, up in your face, in your grills. Uh, we hope that you are having a wonderful day. Hope that you are not melting in the state that you are in. Uh, Want to give everyone a shout out in podcast land, in Twitch land for joining us tonight. Uh, we have a fantastic show. But before we get to that, I have to give a huge shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, the man who makes science look good, the man who makes STEM look good, the man who makes tutoring look good, the man who makes NASA look good, the man who makes mini froze look good. It is Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. I make things look good. I feel good. You know, like the weather is finally getting to a somewhat bearable uh, place to where I'm not like dying outside. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, Things are good, man. It's, it's, it's been a great week. And, you know, um, as we mentioned on the show earlier, I've been doing like this, like Dungeons and Dragons thing for the last couple of weeks. So I feel like my definition of gaming has been expanded, you know? Yeah. So I've just been knee deep in live action games as well as my video games as well. Um, so, so, so I'm just gaming all the damn time, which is great. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's I, the stuff that you all have been doing on the D and D channel, rivers rivers of I'm sorry, is it Waterdeep? Am I am I messing it Rivals up? Rivals of Waterdeep, yes, Rivals. Of Rivals Waterdeep. of Waterdeep has been fantastic. It's been super dope to be able to see everybody on the show, kind of like get into character, stay in character, and see how everything has progressed over the past couple of weeks. It's been fantastic. It's, I've been like chilling just in the stream like lurking a lot and just being like yo this is really like i've never played D before so this may be the first thing that gets me into into D D in a real way seeing seeing all my people doing yeah this, so this is me and cicero's for well it's my first time in a while i believe this is c's first time ever um yeah so, and, but like if, if you with the right people you know you just roll in and just trust each other and just have fun it's 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 it's, it's great that's fantastic. Um, it is it is unbelievably hot here in Portland, Oregon. I know people are like, boo-hoo, whatever. It's hot <laughs> everywhere. Um, so if you see me melt into a puddle, this may be the sweatiest uh, Spawn on Me episode that you've seen if you're watching us on Twitch. I'm shiny already. You can see the glisten is real. It is not, It is no joke. Uh, but we're going to power through because we have a fantastic show. I knew you were a wicked week, witch, the, by the way. If you melt, that's just confirmation. <laughs> Don't worry. It's, it's all good. I'll get you and your little dog too. It's fine. <laughs> no, Toto, <laughs> it is, no. It is, it, no, Toto, no. Um, but we have such a dope show with a, an amazing guest. Uh, we have been talking a lot in the past couple of weeks, in the past couple of days specifically, about lots of changes that we want to see happen in the games industry. And one of the folks who has been kind of on the front lines talking about this from a really cool perspective is our guest, Emma, from Game Workers Unite. Thank you so much for coming through tonight. We are super excited to have you and super hyped to, to, to have you rock with us tonight. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Um, we're, we're big fans of your show and like it's really excellent to like be here and be able to, you know, talk about, you know, not just like game unionization, but also like what we want from a better industry and a better medium. Right. And that's like your whole show. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're we're trying. It's it's nice to have people in the fold who are we're all kind of striving for the same things, right? And it's mm -hmm. nice to be able to kind of push together uh, up up the hill uh, and not feel like you're alone. Yeah. Um. So again, thank you for joining us tonight. Um. I want I want to jump right into it. Um. I want to kind of get a little bit of background on on you and how you kind of got started with Game Workers Unite and, and and give the folks at home if they're not privy or, or don't know about what you're all doing over there about kind of what the the the, the about us is uh, about Game Worker, Games Workers Unite. 
<laughs> sure. Um, so Game Workers Unite is essentially a, an international grassroots organization of game developers and labor organizers and like just supporters who want to, you know, get together and use our collective power to essentially help unionize the games industry. So that way, um, you know, the, the kind of power and like needs of the workers are, you know, have a little bit more to help balance kind of like some of the more exploitative business practices and labor practices we see in the industry. And, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so for me, like I've been here since the beginning. Um, I mean, it started actually as like a Facebook group chat essentially, and, you know, <laughs> kind of boiled out since then a little bit, but, um, yeah, um, it's, it's been really exciting to see the organization grow. We've really expanded over the past few months in particular. Um, obviously I think a lot of people heard a lot about us at GDC and that was kind of their first interaction with us, but you know, we've been um, showing up at E3 and other events in like Europe and, and Canada as well. And, um, yeah, it's really important to us to, you know, help kind of bring a better level of understanding of what unions are and how they can help people in the games industry. Cool. So, so, um, just to make sure that, uh, we and our listeners are all on the same page, cause we might have some new listeners or some listeners that are not, um, you know, familiar with some of, as you said, some of the exploitive, um, business practices, in the industry, can you give sort of a brief overview of, uh, you know, what are some of these uh, practices and like why why a union would be, you know, like the thing to address? Them? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, I mean, I think the number one thing that everyone knows because it's become quite a quite a topic of interest um, is crunch. Crunch is rampant throughout our industry. And although um, sometimes it's necessary in a game's development life cycle, um, oftentimes it's, uh, kind of like actually just because of bad management practices and things, um, and knowing mm. that they can exploit kind of unpaid overtime from their workers and like the more and more they get away with it, the more and more bosses want to use that as like an actual planned out step of production, which is not good. Like it's okay. Maybe as like an emergency or like if it's planned out with like paid overtime, that's fine. But, um, oftentimes, you know, unpaid crunch and unpaid overtime is one of the biggest things that's like throughout the industry. Um, but I mean, we have just, <laughs> I don't even know where to start actually. Um, cause <laughs> our industry is quite an interesting kind of blend of like, you can say like film and TV and entertainment industries and also the worst of like tech. It's kind of like the worst of both worlds in many ways. So we've got like mm -hmm. tons of like high volume hiring for like a project and then everyone gets laid off, um, you know, at the end of a project. So there's like this kind of like fluctuating kind of production cycles we've got people who you know aren't being paid full-time salary with benefits and instead are contract workers which means that their position in the workplace is kind of compromised and right. you know it's less stable over the long term you can't build a career with that um there's also because of things like crunch and like bad workplace culture and just a, a countless number of things um there's like an unusual high burnout rate in the games industry um, mm -hmm. usually I think the rate is around five to six years before people move on and have had enough of the industry, which is a very high turnaround rate. Um, you, I, it's very rare for an industry to have, you know, people just leaving after five years. Right. Um, and, and that also kind of reinforces this kind of cycle of like, if people keep leaving the industry in droves, that means the workforce is predominantly young which means they're easy to exploit because they're like willing to work off of passion and not stick up for their rights as workers and their rights as, you know, artists in the games community. So, I mean, that's just a, a little bit of it, but um, yeah, I mean, I could go on forever about that stuff. 
<laughs> I want. I mean, I want to hear one of the things that I wanted to ask specifically because I've I was part of before I did what I was doing now. Mm-hmm. I, I was in the the labor union uh, back in New York, a labor union back in New York, right. and it was amazing to see just how many issues and uh, things that were being taken away from workers yeah. and 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 companies kind of short, kind of kind of giving giving people you know, the lowest version of rights and, and, and kind of being ethical Just in that space. Just the bare minimum so that you don't, like, run off and quit the job, essentially. Yeah. Just enough to keep yeah. your and it's to- Totally. And it's and, and hearing the conversations about how this translates as, as well over to the gaming industry, I'm, I'm kind of curious to know what are some of the, I'm not going to say the worst offenders, because mm. we can get to that a little bit later. <laughs> Um, but I, but I do want to know, like, what are some of the most egregious things that you kind of see, um, in the industry happening now oh my goodness. Uh, and, and kind of talk to some of that? I mean, um, frankly, the number one thing, the number one thing that's really hurting this industry is the move from, you know, traditional full-time salaried employment to contract work. Cause when you shift people to contract work, like I said, their job is unstable. They're not being paid enough. Their hours, you know, aren't regulated by like typical kind of like 40 hour work week stuff where there's like some basic kind of like legal minimums you have to do to like support your employees. And it also creates like a workplace culture where people feel disconnected and like they're not really a part of the company sometimes. Like you might be working there in the QA department, but you might not actually feel like a part of the the company, which like is not only bad for workers, which is like, yeah, we should unionize to help kind of boost up these people's like rights in the workplace. But also it's not good for the company because when like large swaths of your employees don't feel actually respected and like a part of this company, they're not going to do the best work that they can. Right. And most people want to do the best work that they can. And so, you know, um, kind of, that's probably, in my opinion, one of the biggest problems with the industry, this move to contract employment that creates a kind of unstable, uh, relationship between employer and employee. But I mean, of course, like there's like tons of issues with like, you know, companies not standing up for employees who've like suffered harassment online or offline. There's like, you know, companies not paying the overtime, which is huge because it undermines like, you know, the ability of people actually like build up their own capital and a bit of a safety net especially in an industry like ours, which is kind of volatile and people move from job to job all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so interesting because even though I've never worked in games, I can identify mm. with both the contracting part and the crunch part so much Yeah, um, because I worked in IT for a number of years. And, you know, video games are big IT projects for the most for sure. part. No, yeah. Like they're fun IT projects, <laughs> but yeah, they're big sometimes. IT projects. Yeah, you know? no, I mean, I mean, I think something people should understand is like, I think our industry shares a lot with other industries like right now in the ways that they're being exploited by, you know, their corporations and their bosses. And yeah, I don't know. Like, although we have a lot of unique problems because of kind of where games lies between like kind of art and entertainment and tech, ultimately Mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of the same exploitation elsewhere. Like, you know, for you and it, um, and, and, and for you, Khalif earlier, like before you were doing what you're doing now, like, I'm sure you, like you said, you experience the same kind of problems with your employers and like, that's why people need to unionize because that's the only way to get like an actual seat at the table where you can start negotiating with some kind of bargaining power to actually kind of increase your material, you know, uh, kind of resources as employees, you know? 
it's it's um it was kind of came to a head a little bit this week with uh, the firings of Jessica Price right. and Peter Fries from ArenaNet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been great to see the conversation be there for for a fairly I would say fairly long time. I became aware of you all. I had heard rumblings about you all from kind of conversations happening at GDC. Yeah. I met a canvasser uh, who was working with you all um, during E3. But the folks over at Waypoint, I have to give a huge shout out to because they have been doing some fantastic work in terms of asking some of the hard hitting questions. And they had a really great article that everyone should check out and read where during E3, they asked a whole bunch of companies about their labor practices and wanted to talk about specifically crunch. Um, And it was fantastic to see some folks um, kind of give reasonable, I'll I'll put air quotes, reasonable (laughs) answers uh, for how their companies are kind of getting around crunch. And sadly enough, the the folks who put on E3 had the worst answers. Yes, and kind of kind of kind of dodged a lot some of the some of the things there. Is is this something that when uh, Game Workers Unite is kind of trying to galvanize folks on the worker side of it? Mm-hmm. What's been the kind of um, uh, uh, ideas and kind of practices that you're all trying to do to motivate folks on the actual like uh, dev side, not dev side, on the company side. Mm. Has, has there been any specific um, kinds of uh, ways of reaching out to them to say, hey, here are some ways you can be treating your workers better? Okay, so you're talking about how are we reaching out to employers? Yeah. So, um, so I mean, I'll, I'll preamble this first. I'll, I'll give you my actual response to your question, but I'm going to preamble this sure. first with everything that I do as an organizer and everything that Game Workers Unite does as an org- as like an organization is for yeah. workers first and foremost and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. We do not intend to, you know, compromise any progress made by workers by potentially, you know, finding, you know, middle ground solutions with employers that actually are just like them kind of defusing pressure on any of our movement. That being said, there are things employers can do. And we've been talking to a lot of employers, you know, since the GDC action, since the E3 action, we have people coming out of the woodwork kind of like asking like, hey, I don't want to be an exploitative boss. Talk to me about Mm. what does it mean to actually be exploitative? Some people don't understand, you know, certain hiring practices might just be taken as standard or default, like depending on where you live, you know, labor practices are different, whether it's the U.S. or Canada or U.K. or Japan or wherever. But, you know, people come out and say, I don't actually know what people consider to be bad employment practices. So talk to me about that. So helping educate people about what bad employment practices are and labor conditions in the industry are, that's number one. Number two is like, you know, talking to them and actually like teaching them how to encourage their workers to start talking about these things. Um, I mean, Mm. we'll often say, you know, it can often be a misstep for employers who are, you know, quote unquote allies to their workers in this kind of discussion where they'll want to go and approach a worker and be like, hey, like, I support you guys. I support things like workers' rights and unionization. Let's talk about this. The thing is, that's a really touchy subject. And like in 99% of all employment situations, you don't want to talk to your boss about your actual feelings on labor and unionization. <laughs> so like bosses should be aware of that when they're trying to like, you know, start facilitating these dialogues amongst their employees. They should learn to step back and be like, Hey, like I'm, I want to point you guys to game workers unite. Or like, I encourage you to go like talk to people, talk to your talk amongst yourselves at lunch about these things. Um, but try not to make it about yourself setting the tone as the Ooh. employer of the company. Just say that, 
you know, these things are welcome. It's up to you guys to decide, you know? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's really interesting because I do think that, you know, someone that might not be as familiar with, you know, with unions or never worked in a, uh, you know, in a industry that has unions would think that the goal is, you know, sort of that middle ground, um, yeah. you know, uh, part where, where, where you're working, you know, with the, uh, with the, you know, with the employers. Cause I do think that, you know, sort of what you think of, you know, I think that most people, at least in America would think of is like, you know, like the car industry, mm. you know, where, you know, where it became one of those jobs where, you know, um, you could, you know, come in and get a great job and great salary and retire without like, you know, a lot of, um, you know, um, sort of, uh, um, formal, education sure. in that in, in that it became like uh something where the unions really had to push you know like the industries in detroit to actually treat people better well i will um, push back a little bit on that if you don't mind just okay sure, because of just because i mean to get to that point in history it took thousands of auto workers over the course mm-hmm. of decades from like the you know, like early 1900s through even like the 1940s and 50s, it took decades for them of, you know, fighting back against state violence, fighting against their employers, bringing in like, un- like armed militias to like hunt down, you know, uh, union organizers and things. Um, and there was a time when union organizing wasn't a legal act in the United States, and it was not a right that right. was guaranteed to us. And so like, to get to that point, there had to be like a lot of really tough, you know, action and really tough negotiations and like really tough stances made by workers. And it does get us to this place where like we have now built a middle class and people do feel like they can, yeah, go to GE and have like a stable job, right? And like bring home a paycheck, have a 401k. But to get to that point, you have to be a little more tough. And the problem is we're not at that point and we are in an industry where there's like deeply, deeply conservative business labor, business and labor interactions happening right now where there's just mm-hmm. tons of exp- exploitation of the workforce. There's absolutely no workers organizations that are actually standing up for workers, which is why we formed because, you know, things like right. the IGDA mm-hmm. and other like kind of national game worker advocacy groups actually aren't game worker advocacy groups. Even if they are named, they're often more beholden to corporations um, who CEOs and presidents sit on their boards and things. So, um, you know, I I will push back a little bit and just say, I think it does take a bit of a firmer fight than, you know, trying to seek kind of, you know, peaceful middle grounds. I think sometimes it's better to be tougher and get a few more kind of material gains out of the process. Right. Yeah, no, no, I actually feel free to push back because I am not (laughs) an expert at all. And to be clear, I'm not either. I'm not a labor historian, but (laughs) but um, at least in my experience with union organizing and as someone who comes from like a Midwest background of organizing in like coal and, you know, farm workers Mm. and things, I'll tell you, there's a lot of stagnant conservative unionism out there where, you know, yeah, they want to just work with the Democratic Party. And really, that undermines Mm. them because they actually don't support actual labor organizing and they just kind of you know, fiddle around with bureaucracy and they make statements, but they never do anything. And yeah, right. you know, so I, I come from a bit more of a militant unionist background, but um, yeah, anyway, sorry to your point though. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> now I, I, I want to uh, follow up on like a one thing that you said, mm. would you, f- do you feel like the uh, business model of a lot of the companies 
in the industry are built on these <laughs> exploitive things. Meaning, yeah, yes. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So, 100%. Yes. It's intentional. Okay. It's active. Yes. All the way through. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so, so like the reason that I asked that is because mm-hmm. I hear from like a, some people like, yes, it's built on this. Meaning yeah. if we change it, like things will fail mm. or like uh, some people mm. think, well, it's not really built on that. It's just extra profit that they get. So, you know, it's, it's sort of like the foundation is solid yeah. and they just get extra gravy from, you know, from <laughs> crunch and that kind of stuff. Well, they certainly do have the extra gravy, but um, I don't know. Like it, it's probably more realistically some middle ground of like, they know they can get away with unpaid labor. So they do. And they also mm-hmm. know they can get away with, you know, months of crunch on end so they plan that into the production cycle instead of being like, oh, shit, we have to get this out really fast. Uh, we're going to have to crunch. Sorry. You know, they plan to have right. that stuff. Right. Which is bad management, and frankly, bad production. And as someone who comes from a, produ- a production background, that's just bad production when you're like planning mm-hmm. to work overtime. Like you shouldn't have to plan that into your schedule. Um, so, yes, it's like there's a lot of active exploitation happening from bosses on game workers throughout the industry. And yeah, part of it's also like, you know, squeezing the last few drops out of production and trying to save a penny here and there. But I don't know. Um, <laughs> frankly, when, you know, like a, a CEO like Bobby Kotek or something's like pulling down, like, what is it, like 40 million a year? Like, mm-hmm. they got money to spare. They can just hire more people. <laughs> they can right. just yep. lengthen production a little bit, you know? Like, if anything, that's going to just help in the quality of the games and it's going to help in the quality of the workers' lives. There's no excuse not to do this. These companies have the money. They can do it. They choose not to, which is active, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, that's the hard, that's the hard part of, of seeing some of the practices go down and then hearing from developers mm. that, that I know and other folks who are just like, when, they, when you know that crunch is about to hit. Yeah. And you have that dread, <laughs> that feeling about all the things that you're gonna, yeah, mm-hmm. that you're gonna have to like pull these extra hours and be away from your family and not be able to to kind of enjoy the thing to make games that hopefully the industry and the in the community and the gaming public will then not double down and kind of shit on you, yeah. for making this game and having to go through crunch and do all that stuff. Yeah, I, a question I have for you is looking at it from the perspective of of being um, worker advocates. Mm in the space right what is the uh, i think most movements when you when you kind of need them to, to to push forward and you need to hit a tipping point and try to kind of get the public behind it yeah. what's what's been the kind of the conversations that you're all having and the strategies that you're kind of talking about you don't have to show your whole hand but <laughs> you know you know share, share some of the ideas about what you're all trying to do in terms of galvanizing the public to kind of help to help push this stuff forward. What we've seen, you know, in the past couple of days and throughout the time of Gamergate and between the time of all these other other crappy, I'm not going to call them movements because they're not movements. Um, How do you help galvanize the public to also ride with it when we see that there's been so much uh, conflict between uh, the the community and the the dev side? For sure. I mean, you've hit on, like, one of the major kind of potential stumbling blocks of kind of a lot of our action, right? Um, I mean, to us, it's actually very important to have that, like, game worker and game player solidarity going on. Like, 
Like, mm. I think it's important for people to understand that game workers come into the games industry because we love games, right? Like, we wouldn't be here if we didn't want to mm. make games. Like, we love games so much that we're here to make them, right? Like, we're here to dedicate our careers to them. And so people should understand that we're coming from a place of, like, honesty when we're speaking like, hey, we love these games, but they're not being made in a sustainable way. Um, now, that's hard to communicate sometimes. Um, but, I mean, we've been trying to make a concerted effort um, to, you know, start developing literature and messaging that is aimed at people who play games and maybe don't understand all the nuances and day-to-day of what it's like to be a game developer. But mm-hmm. we want to help kind of first, more than anything, just educate the general discourse in the, in, in the community about what does it mean to actually make a game? Like, what are the stumbling blocks in production? Why is it maybe that a, uh, that a game came out late or came out differently than people anticipated? And number one, like, the main thing is to, like, bond over this one point. Game Workers Unite doesn't stand just against exploitative labor practices, but we stand against exploitative business practices as well. So, meaning, mm. we we really have a lot of common ground with people who play games, you know? Uh, we've seen, like, quite a rise in people kind of, uh, you know, coming out of the woodwork and saying, like, hey, like, these games are being kind of rushed out the door, right? People are being run to the ground in terms of, like, working too much on these games, and, like, the quality is dropping sometimes. Um, I mean, people, we've seen a big wave of people, you know, kind of speaking out against, like, exploitative, like, loot boxes and season passes and DLC packs where you're selling, like, 70% of the game, but, like... At, at, at the top of the kind of at like when it releases and then like you sell the rest of the game as DLC or like you know exploitative gambling practices especially in mobile games and things and that are starting to now come into kind of mainstream console games um, a lot of these things are common ground where we can you know work with game players to kind of build that solidarity between us right um, mm. and yeah so I mean like E3 was like kind of a big uh, push on that for us we really made a concerted effort to reach out to game players and streamers and like people who might not be quite as connected to the realities of game development and one of the best things we can do is just help educate people about the realities of game development right i think a lot of people yeah. you know when something goes wrong with a game's release or something right they want to blame like you often hear people like blaming quote-unquote lazy devs right <laughs> but like here's the deal nobody works harder than game developers right like yep. we work our asses off yeah. don't blame lazy devs blame greedy bosses who push things out the door before like it was ready to go who like squeeze their workers dry like blame bosses it's not the devs and i i promise you there's no there are very few game de- designers in the industry who are like yo i really just want to like develop these really exploitative gambling mechanics that squeeze like <laughs> pennies out of grandmas right like Nah, like, we're not in the industry to do that stuff. Like, we want to make games because we love games and they're exciting and we grew up loving them as kids or, you know, however we fell into this weird little, like, community, right? And so, like, just helping educate people that it's, like, like, frankly, it's often not the workers to be blamed. Um, And I think the work that's being done by Waypoint and Polygon and Kotaku and podcasts like yourselves, where people are trying to really discuss, like, what does it mean to be in this industry like what does it mean to actually work Mm. in this industry what are the actual conditions like and what does it mean to make a game like explaining how complicated it can be that stuff is all so crucial to like bringing up the general awareness and level of education in the games community at large so that was a very long tangential explanation of your question or answer but um yeah i hope that you know that kind of answers your question at least to an extent
No, I, that made me so amazingly happy because <laughs> it is it is it, it's difficult, and I think a lot of people don't understand. Mm. Um, I kind of I, I talk about this often enough when I when I'm either doing speaking engagements or whatever about gaming stuff, mm-hmm. and I try to tell people that no one goes into game development to be to make shitty to make shitty things. Yeah, like no one does that. Yeah. like no one wakes up and is like, I'm going to spend twenty twenty two hours at my job to make a shitty thing so that no one will like it. Right, and no one will play it. But it's also that other side of the coin where, um, the gaming public just doesn't know how it actually works. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of folks, and we'll we'll talk about that when it comes to the conversation around ArenaNet. Um, but it feels like the biggest hurdle, like you said, is just trying to get that 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 connection for people for sure. to understand how that works. What's the hardest thing to explain to folks when you do have those conversations about game development? Gosh. That you as a you as a dev and you as a person who works in that space, um, everyone knows, but the folks at the in the public just really right. can't get. What's the what's one of the main things that you want people to kind of understand and take away from game development that'll give them a little bit more grace when they're before they kind of become keyboard warriors and go out <laughs> on the internet? Sure. Um, I mean, frankly, this isn't a super tangible answer, answer but um, it it frankly doesn't matter what kind or scale of game you're making doesn't matter if you're making a personal hobby game whether you're making freelance indie work whether you're working in AAA or mobiles right as well um making a game <laughs> is such a fuzzy weird convoluted twisted net of like weird interactions between like art and engineering and audio and like it's just everything's so interlocked and complicated and dependent in the production of a game that it's really hard to like easily plan it out and just execute it perfectly right it's a game development is like by its nature by the way that it's created it's a messy fluid weird changeable medium right it's it's real messy as a medium and so i think and that's something you can't really feel until you really try to make a game for yourself even if it's just a simple twine game or a unity game or something understanding just how weird and yeah fuzzy it is to make a game let alone on the scale of like 3,000 people at Ubisoft making a game right um Mm -hmm. I think once you see kind of like the the massive difficulty that kind of can come with making games you can start to have a little bit more empathy of like okay like yeah like this might be messy and this might be kind of weird and like yeah, there might be bugs here and there, and like maybe they it got rushed out the door, or maybe it didn't, maybe it was delayed. Um, I mean, it's just impossible to predict this medium when you're making it. That's probably the biggest mm. thing, because like a lot of other things stem from that, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but it's it's yeah, a hard thing agree. to communicate. Yeah. People, yeah. People like think it's point- like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was, that like makes you think of the point that like when we're talking about crunch and like you said, Mm. like, you know, it's not like we're talking about how projects are hard and sometimes you got to work a lot at certain points. Mm. Cause I definitely experienced that on on my projects where, you know, sometimes some executive will say we need this sooner or, or some bug will come in and you got to come in in the middle of the night and fix it. And like, that's, that happens, right? Yeah. But what I hated was when I would see like executives underbid on projects. Yes, purposely. To like get the contract because they know that 
it's really like, yep. you know, eight people maybe at 40 hours a week. But like they say, hey, if I could do this with six people mm-hmm. and just have them work 60 hours yep. a week, you know, that kind of thing. No, the that same, the same the, stuff happens here, right? In games. And the same stuff happens in food service, right? The same thing yep. happens like mm-hmm. everyone wants to squeeze a penny out of you, right? Like you have nego- no negotiating power without a union and they can do that. Right. Because otherwise you're out of a job and that's that, especially in a place like the United States where there's like no there are very few social safety nets. It's like, yeah, you lose your job. You're losing all stability in your life unless you're wealthy. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I have. Oh, I have a question from the chat. Mm-hmm. Um, as Duran, I'm probably I probably said your name wrong. I apologize. <laughs> um, I'm just going to read it off as, as a quote. Uh, playing devil at devil's advocate for a second uh, okay. he says unions he or she they say uh unions slow the growth of the industry making it so that companies make less money and cannot expand thus cannot hire more people to grow the industry further on the benefit that you can increase the work culture and work life balance so with the benefit if the person who has a job takes away from someone that is looking to enter in that space hmm. i kind of i kind of see what they're trying to say i might i, underst- I understand where they're going with that logic um yeah here okay i got a couple things to say <laughs> but say sure, sure. um i mean first off i'll just say that frankly that's just inaccurate actually if you look at the numbers unionized industries often run more efficiently and more effectively at lower cost even though you're covering more expenses for your workers, the fact that your workers are like healthy, well-rested, they're yep. invested, they feel like they're here for the long haul, this isn't a gig for nine months. All these things that come with being unionized help build a more efficient, you know, well-educated kind of class of workers, right? Because if you have this high turnaround like we do in games industry, you know, there's a lot of brain drain that comes from like these generations of generations of game workers leaving the industry. So if you keep and retain these valuable game workers with a union and better working conditions, it will actually speed up production. You won't be making the same mistakes every other year. You won't be reinventing the wheel on every product, which is often the case within a lot of studios because like teams come and go and it's like you could have just kept the same like core like multiplayer networking <laughs> yeah. team around, but you didn't. You fired them. So you had to hire new guys who had to reinvent the wheel. Um so there's like actually a lot of examples of industries being more efficient, more profitable, more effective, essentially, um, once they were unionized. Um, and then I'll say to the other parts, kind of just that, frankly, even if, even if, and I'll be, I guess, well, it's not quite devil's advocate, but I'll play your game. Like, so like, even if, say, unionizing the games industry slowed down production even if it made it more expensive to make games which we don't believe it will and even if you know all these things happened here's two things one it would still improve the quality of the games because people wouldn't be like stressed and underpaid and tired and sick and dropping out of the industry so it improved the quality of the games over time and second i don't care the people's actual material lives and like stability and their ability to like build up a family and retire someday, which most of us aren't going to be able to do at this current rate, that's more important than like a game coming out a little bit under budget, right? In my opinion. Mm. Um, And in a lot of our opinions. But I mean, I understand their concerns, but um, frankly, when you look at a lot of industries, unionization is a really effective tool to not just ensure the better working conditions of your workers, but also to make the 
companies and industry run faster, more efficiently. And I think, I think they said something about, um, you know, t- holding places in like the workforce, um, and keeping them away from kind of like new people wanting to join. Um, right. there's yeah. something like that in there. Right. Um, yeah, yeah I, I yeah. think it, that it, that's also kind of like a, 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 kind of a misplaced concern, I think, because when you have a unionized workforce, it's easier to onboard people. It's easier to establish things like apprenticeships and like nice paid internships. And, um, yeah, I think without that, without that older workforce that's unionized and stable, it's harder to make a safer environment for new workers to join the industry. Yeah. That was, that was dope. (laughs) I'm just saying like, and like, this is really not me trying to like dunk on, on the question asker, but like, this is me genuinely saying like, yeah, I don't know. Like I just wholeheartedly disagree. And at least my experiences with unions and, and, in various industries, a tighter unionized workforce runs better, more profitable, and has a better working life for their their employees, and that's that. Yeah, yeah. I think that the that the the devil's advocate point hold, would hold weight in a world where companies act in the vested interest of yes. their employees. <laughs> but, but they don't. Time and time <laughs> again, like the you know, you can look back to the freaking industrial revolution. Yeah. Or like I just listened to this uh, great. Um, I'm addicted to this podcast called Business Wars, hmm. and they had this uh, great series on 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 like the um, history of uh, Ford and like Chevrolet and like the big car. That's companies. some real just... interesting history. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. That's like you could yeah. read books mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. Every every time you look at a major, and I'll just stick to like the U.S. for now, but mm-hmm. a major industry, there's always an issue of people being exploited yeah. every single time. Because the inherent natural nature of like a corporation is to cut costs, save profits, and like create revenue for the people running the company, which is not the workers. Yep. That's just exactly. This is not me bashing on a company, bashing on capitalism, whatever you want to say. Like that's just what a corporation does. It 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 tries to extract the maximum amount of profit from the least amount of like benefits and, and pay given to the workers. That's just the inherent design of a corporation. So we have to counterbalance that with a union because that's the only way to get that fair seat at the table. Yeah. Almost every, yeah, every company that I've ever been with, if you go to the mission or you go to the priorities, it's always like stockholder value. Yeah, of course. (laughs) It's always the main first thing. (laughs) Always. There's no reason to support your workers when they're not the ones like, you know, with like the massive kind of control over your your company. Right. And so the only way to actually wield a little bit of influence in the company is to be like, hey, we know we don't have a lot of material resources, but if we just stopped working, you can't do anything. Like (laughs) all of your profit is dependent on all of our work. So we hold that against you and say, hey, you know, actually like pay us fairly, give us decent working conditions. Yeah. Anytime, anytime I've seen a company that has been more worried about profit and more worried about growth. They've always shortchanged the worker and they've always shortchanged the folks who are doing that work on a consistent basis. For sure. Um, we're going to take a two minute break. Uh, Emma has been dropping jewels on everybody <laughs> in on this show and it's super dope. Uh, hang out everybody in the chat. Hang out everybody in podcast land. We'll be back in two minutes. What up, Bricago? We are the crew of the Optional Podcast coming to you each week from New York City where we host a show all about the latest in video games and entertainment. 
Our show is for everybody looking for a fresh new take on gaming culture and how it intersects with movies, music, anime, food, and whatever else we love. Check us out at theoptionalpodcast.com. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, and all major podcast services. This isn't your typical gaming podcast. This is video game commentary for the rest of us. What's good, Internet? This is Austin Walker, a.k.a. Professor Killer, a.k.a. David Foster Flawless, a.k.a. Bars Von Trier. You already know what it is. And since you do, you should also already know that Spawn On Me keeps it real when it comes to games, culture, and holding it down even when the world is on fire. Welcome to Bricago, y'all. Welcome back, everybody, to the Spawn On Me podcast, episode 245. Hanging out with Emma from Game Workers Unite, yep. dropping jewels, <laughs> dropping dopeness all over the place um if you missed the first part of the show shame on you you need to go check that out i don't know how you found the second half of the show if you just randomly came in and was like i'm gonna just put the thing right there and it's gonna be like an hour later and then you're just gonna come into the thing and it's gonna be late so ha um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple things that we didn't get a chance to talk mm. about before the break and you had kind of touched on it and i want to go back a step sure. uh really fast and talk about um we talked a little bit about what unionization looks like domestically, mm-hmm. but I would love to know what the conversation is in terms of the international scope sure. and how that looks with so many developers from so many different countries kind of coming together, especially during times like GDC. For sure. And how, you know, how, what has been the conversation that you're hearing on that side of the fence too? Sure. So, I mean, um, I, I want to say emphatically that Game Workers Unite is an international organization. We have membership from literally all over the world. I mean, if there are people making games there, there's a chance people are in our group, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we have chapters right now kind of, you know, in the UK, in, in Germany. We have people, you know, in France with the Video Game Workers Union that exists there. Um, folks are in Brazil. we got people in Australia, Canada, United States. Um, and it's only growing. Um, so, I mean, international solidarity is super important for us. Um, I mean, this ties in particularly with the issue of um, kind of uh, there's a lot of kind of, uh, you know, people or companies rather exporting jobs to other countries right now to get around, you know, having to pay a fair wage in whatever country they're coming from. And the only way to really raise the like actual working quality life, quality of life for all workers in the games industry is to have this kind of kind of international cooperation amongst people. Um I mean, there's not going to be, like, some kind of, like, international one-game workers' union down the road. Like, that's just not how labor law works. Um, labor law varies so wildly from country to country, even, like, state to state or region to region within a country as well. Um, so, like, having that cooperation on the international level is super crucial to us. Like you said, GDC, you know, we've got some of, like, you know, the best people, <laughs> you know, coming in to one place from all around the world, it's like a perfect opportunity to get that big milk, like melting pot of like different devs working together. Um, so yeah, um, focusing internationally is really important. And the first um, proper like video game workers union started in France, um, actually even before this organization did. And um, it's it truly is an international effort that we're focusing on. And a lot of people want to keep talking about you know your typical kind of Canadian and uh, kind of U.S. focused game development stuff but um no i mean this kind of stuff is happening all around the world even in a place like say sweden where they've got better labor laws there's still tons of exploitative mm. business practices and labor practices happening going happening in those uh various companies um is there any um uh synergies that you guys have been able to 
um, youth from the uh, existing French uh, French Union. To um, you know, I'm assuming that there's kind of some things that you might be able to use and some that you can't because of like specific things that go on in that country. Has, has there been anything you've been able to learn from their experiences? I mean, sure. I mean, uh, I mean, it was really excellent, especially when Game Workers Unite was just starting up. Um, there were quite a handful of uh, members of the French Game Workers Union um, in the group kind of, you know, helping to keep people's expectations or understandings of, of what a union is and how it functions to a pretty reasonable standard. Um, there was a lot of good, like, elevating of education within the group, talking about, like, the realities of unionization, um, at least in a country like France, right? But it's a lot of those lessons still pertain elsewhere. You just got to adapt those lessons a little bit. Um, and since then, we've had, you know, um, groups uh, like people coming from labor organizations like SAG-AFTRA and uh, the IA, which is like a kind of a stagehand camera worker, technical worker in film and TV uh, union. And like um, the Writers Guild has been involved in um, different groups in other countries as well. And um, they've been really crucial in elevating the level of kind of like discussion in the group and as well as giving us like a bit more of an attitude of legitimacy, like we feel more grounded in our cause. We have like better resources. We can like learn from people who've done this before, right? We're not just reinventing the wheel. Awesome. Um, so I was looking at the, uh, you know, you, you guys have a great fact at uh, gamemakersunite.org <laughs> where like uh, you guys cover, you know, the basics behind what a union is, what it does, and like mm -hmm. the, the uh, specifics of uh, Game Workers uh, Unite. I saw something that I never even thought about. There's a section that says, I'm a content creator or streamer. Mm. How could I benefit from a union? Right. And that surprised me because I was like, I thought it was really for, you know, full-time workers of a game company and that kind of thing. So can you um, elaborate a bit on like how a, a content creator or a streamer that, you know, would partner and do stuff with a company can benefit from a union? I mean, for sure. I mean, I mean, one of the number one things that we see in terms of like the work life kind of of a streamer in particular or a let's player or what have you is often people's jobs are dependent on platforms that don't respond to their needs. Right. Whether you're a streamer on Twitch or you release videos on YouTube or or, you know, you put up podcasts in, in the main kind of way to get people on that is like Apple podcasts. Um, you're beholden to these larger corporations that will make changes to the, the platform on which you build your career based not off of your needs, but often off of the needs of like their shareholders. Right. And so understanding that other people in the games community, like streamers, like podcasters, like, um, uh, esports players as well. Um, they're all, you know, suffering from some kind of, you know, corporate, um, kind of situation right it doesn't matter even if you're like just like a small time indie streamer and it makes you a couple hundred bucks on the side a month like you're still beholden to some corporation in that in that career choice um and so there's a lot of be a lot of solidarity to be had there and at least in our opinion and um there's never any harm in you know trying to find commonality amongst uh groups that people you know <laughs> don't expect to maybe get get along together but yeah no i mean esports players are talking about unionization and stuff that's been kind of a topic in the last few months um mm. and and we super support that as well one of the coolest things i saw in the past couple of days in terms of the arena net mm. um conversation was the statement that you all put out yeah um that talked about 
you know, if you're not familiar with the arena net situation, uh, Jessica Price and Peter Fries were fired um, for having a conversation on the internet in which a, um, a person kind of mansplained to Jessica what her job was in terms of her being a narrative writer for um, uh, the game that she works on for Guild Wars and Guild Wars, Guild Wars two. Um, And the conversation then grew into this really kind of interesting back and forth that wound up being and wound up getting Jessica and Peter fired. Um, Most folks who've been paying attention to the, to the actual story. So it was a huge, huge, mistake by by arena net to just take things to the nth degree in terms of the way that they wanted to, to reprimand their employees uh besides the, the 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 consistent kind of harassment that jessica was getting peter comes into the conversation and tries to help um you know stick up for his co-worker and then gets fired because of that um it, it the thing that bugs me the most is again there is a very interesting line that has been drawn in the sand by the head of ArenaNet by saying, you know, you as an employee are basically using your social media space, that is your personal media space, on the behalf of our company as well at the yeah. same time. That is a dangerous precedent to, to, to have in, in the space anyway, especially with the way that, you know, the, the Internet mob can jump on people at any moment. Um, when, when you saw all this go down mm-hmm. over, uh, game work, games workers unite, what was the kind of conversation that you were all happening sure. or having in that space too? Um, that kind of led up to you putting out that wonderful statement that you put out. So, I mean, this whole scenario has been quite a complex convoluted one. There's been a lot of perspectives on it. A lot of people have seen, you know, parts of the the events that unfolded and some saw other parts and some saw the whole picture. Some missed it all. Um, so there's a lot of miscommunication going all around as well. Um, and frankly, even within our group, there was a lot of discussion like, well, you know, she re- replied pretty hostily and she did have ArenaNet in her Twitter bio and things like she was a quote unquote representative of the company. But... Um, the more and more we talked, the more and more we realized, frankly, like, so we do side with that it was irresponsible of ArenaNet to fire a price and fries, especially fries, because all he did was politely defend his coworker. But we <laughs> right. also stand behind price as well, because frankly, there's like a million kind of, there's a million different ways the company could have reacted. They could have right. pulled them aside mm. and been like, hey, this thing you did one, not polite, two, didn't represent the com- company well, um, to all the way to, like, you know, having someone suspended for, like, a, a week or two and, like, having, like, some right. mandatory training or something about, like, social media usage or something, right? Those are all, like, there's a range of steps between there that they could have done, but they didn't. Within the course of a couple of days, they jumped straight to firing with little to no warning or communication, and in the United States, especially in a place like Washington, where um, ArenaNet's located, um, you know, losing your job is losing your entire social safety net. Like, like I mentioned before, that's your health care. That's your like in all of your income. Right. Um, it, it's so much um, <laughs> to an American worker to lose your job um, and to do that with barely no heads up, no communication. Um, no real dialogue is frankly, 
just bad management in my opinion and our opinion as well. Um, and yeah, so like, even though it's like within their right as employers to fire Jessica Price and Fries, because in the state of Washington, there's what's called at will employment, which mm-hmm. means mm-hmm. you can be fired with no notice whenever you want right. or whenever the employer wants for whatever reason they want, short of like explicit discrimination and things. Um, and often those are hard to kind of contest against a corporation as well. Um, so like the ground on which these employees were standing was super shaky. And instead of trying to like ease the situation down, Mike O'Brien, the president of ArenaNet, instead amplified the whole situation, fired them right away without letting any dialogue going on within the company. And then secondly, it would have been one thing to just fire the two and let it just be done with, right? And everyone could move on. Mm. Worse than that was, like, even though there was already people targeting Jessica Price and Fries and, like, other associated people at ArenaNet and other companies with, like, harassment and things, Mike O'Brien's statement was, like, quite incendiary, frankly. Um, Instead of of saying the things she said didn't represent the company and we've decided to part ways, blah, 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 he said Jessica Price's statements or comments or whatever were, quote, unquote, attacks on the community. He said attacks on the community. Like, that is actively inflammatory language. Like, and that's not me, like, you know, buffing something up that isn't actually, you know, all that important. Like, words have meaning. And, like, to say someone's, Mm -hmm. you know, defensive, I mean, yeah, potentially rude, but, like, defensive comments um, were attacks on the community is absurd. And that only amplified things further. People felt very justified in having brought their harassment in the first place because it's like, oh, well, you know, um, even if the company's not saying, well, we got rid of them because of your efforts as people like harassing people, our employees, it still vindicates them. And you see that in a lot of the forum and Reddit posts that happen afterwards where it's like, hey, if we can get these two fired, why not fire any other dev we want whenever we want? Um, mm-hmm. And... I mean, so far, Mike O'Brien has been a pretty weak-ass leader for that company because he just folded, like, a deck of cards, like, right immediately. Like, within, like, a day or two, it's like, oh, no, there's a whole thing. Well, I guess I'll just give up and fire everyone and hope things go away. (laughs) And since then, he's never, like, he has... And, like, the main thing we've been talking about today as an organization is, like... And a lot of the press has been covering this as well, is that, you know... (sighs) It's just it's so it's so frustrating because he releases this incendiary incendiary statement that amplifies kind of like the harassment and the like the anger that people have towards Price already. They also just back away and just fall completely silent. Like they don't comment mm-hmm. on the harassment. They don't say, "Hey, we fire these people," but there's no reason to be harassing these people. Please leave our you know employees or ex employees yes. alone. Even people in other companies are being harassed, like, for expressing their opinions on this subject. And, like, ArenaNet and Mike O'Brien have just been sitting there content to watch them just suffer with all this, right? Um, And it's frankly kind of disturbing. And we have ArenaNet members in our group. We have um, a lot of ArenaNet members who are suddenly very interested in our group because they don't feel very (laughs) stable at their current place of work. And... um, You know, like, it's just terrible, terrible management on the, on the part of Mike O'Brien. And that's what this boils down to, right? A better leader would have 
led this situation, not just dropped a grenade down the hatch and then like backed away hoping no one would notice, right? So, ugh, I could go off on that, but it doesn't even matter what your opinions on price are. It's like the manner that ArenaNet and Michael Bryan acted with is completely irresponsible, especially given the the nature of our industry and how how volatile it can be for developers, especially online. Yeah, and the thing that pissed me off the most. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like it was. I feel like um, it was given, like in in the same way that I said that the um, in the earlier part that that devil's advocate thing kind of assumed mm. that companies are for the investments of the workers. I feel like They're this not. situation. <laughs> like just assumes that we're not in this environment where, you know, developers, especially like marginalized ones are routinely sure. uh, doxxed and know, harassed and attacked, brigaded harassed, and chased doxxed. off of social media and out of their workplaces. And like, yeah. yeah, no, people will leave the industry because of this. Like it's a rampant issue. And yeah, to act as if so, like a company's statements on the matter don't impact that condition in the, in the industry is like, it's so naive. At, at at best, it's naive. At best, at, at worst, best. at worst, <laughs> yeah. it's him knowing what he's doing and effectively sticking the mob on on all these people, right? Um, and frankly, myself included. <laughs> yeah, for a very reasonable response. That's the thing that gets lost in a lot of this too. Yeah. Is that the response that that Jessica gave was <laughs> so reasonable for again the yeah. climate that we live in for the conversation that was happening yeah and for the for the like yeah. temperature and timber of all the things they're 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 said well it's yeah like, well I, but like I, she drops the word asshat everyone's like well oh my like well if we're if now we're cursing oh my god and it's like no I know, it was like i do the declare yeah. oh my god you said asshat <laughs> i know it's like i've seen so <laughs> like, much what? worse like you don't want to see my dms right now like i'm they're still open <laughs> But I swear to God, ain't nobody saying like, oh, you're an asshat. Okay. Like, no, it's like right. people calling me, you know, a lot of words that I won't say here for the sake of, right. you know, people watching. But yeah, like, God, it's like it could have been so much worse. She could have like really gone off. And no, she was just like, this happens every single day. Like, this is what it's like to be a woman developer. And like, even if she misinterpreted his actions, which I I actually don't believe it to be the case. But even if she did, and he was mm-hmm. engaging in good faith where he wasn't like, well, let me tell you how to do your job, person who's been doing this for years. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, like her response was not super aggravating or like uh, actively, you know. Uh, anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and like my, my, my thing is, I mean, I can see how people could see her response as rude. Yeah. Like, I don't personally think it's rude, but I can understand somebody, like, seeing that. But people are latching on to that yeah. and taking it to the complete extreme For sure. of firing someone in a day. Like, like, yeah. like, it's that same kind of reactionary thing where you latch on to anything that you can use to justify your, like, extreme... Existing position. Like, beliefs that these SJWs are taking over and, you know... Yeah, and, and like, you know, we, we've had... I've been seeing a lot of people lately be like... Like, you know, Game Workers Unite and all these journalists, these like fake journalists, like they're all they're all out here saying like, oh, she was calling his words hate speech and they want they want no one to ever be fired. And it's like that's nobody is saying that. Like, 
Hold on, right. let me pull up a tweet actually, because like this tweet is like buck fucking wild to me. Okay, <laughs> I love that description. <laughs> one one second, I'm just like so. I've been thinking yes. about this all morning. I saw it when I woke up. All right, I love it. Y'all know Mike Kern, yes, or Mark oh, Kern. God. Sorry, yes, he's yes. a guy and he has bad opinions. Anyway, today he said. The fake press decries this, the firings of Jessica Price and all this, as quote-unquote open season on firing devs, end quote, when the truth is that they just want another reason to hate gamers and to bully them. They are, liter- oh. they are literally they are literally saying that any feedback by customers, no matter how polite, is hate speech. And like the, pre- the yeah. tweet before that is like him being like, this is all a campaign of lies and misinformation. And I'm like, really? No one is saying it's hate speech. No one is accusing all gamers of being toxic. It's just these select few who are making life hell for a lot of people. Like he's engaging in misinformation. Here's a secondary side of this of this conversation that mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't don't really recognize and don't really give the the proper you know framing for a lot of these conversations. Yeah, is. As game as game uh, uh, buyers and consumers of video games, as a group, mm. we are, and I say we because it's a we. Sure, it's me we too. Are it's the, me too. Yeah, we, yeah. Seriously, we are the most connected. Yeah, and have the closest ties to the people who make the product that we like to con- that we like to consume than any other industry. Yep. There's so few industries in which you can specifically go to ace place and say i want to talk to this person and have an expectation for those people to respond to you and that's there are so few industries in which that is a part of the way that the actual like things work the way the 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 exchange of information exchange of of connection work and to not understand that is a problem for the consumer Mm, yep that is a consumer issue Mm -hmm that they don't understand just how good they actually have yeah. it. So that when folks start to pull away and say, I don't want to do that interview. I don't want to be on Twitter anymore. So that you can't, so there is no line that you can try to yeah. figure out to disseminate between me being a professional, me being my personal self on this, on this platform. Mm-hmm. When that stuff goes away, all the folks who are making big waves and trying to get people fired and all that stuff, they too will find themselves in a shit spot because right. then they will not have anyone to talk to. Right. And like about the things that they care that about. That close proximity and that theoretical close relationship, which like frankly, social media has a lot of design issues where people think like, Oh, I can tweet at so and so. That means they're my friend and they're on my level here socially right. and like I can just do whatever right. I want with them. That's not how that works. But the fact that right. we have this kind of like close ties and easy access to developers and consumers and streamers and like we're all kind of in this mixture here on twitter like that's an opportunity to like learn to like build like community between us that's an opportunity to educate not just you know not just game players but also game developers more on like you know what people are interested in and like making sure everyone's like kind of on the same page but really it turns often into like this weird demanding relationship where some people on the consumer side are acting as if they own the damn building and they can just like knock down the door (laughs) and be like, knock, knock. Like I'm here. Answer all of my questions. Talk to me immediately. Why are you not responding perfectly to me? Like now I hate you and I'm going to try to get you brigaded or brigaded on like Reddit or something. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
Yeah. It's so twisted and backwards. Like yeah, and yeah, yeah and, and there totally is that sense of entitlement yeah. that customer is always right kind of thing. Yeah. That which like I even see, in services I, like that's a questionable concept. But oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I, like, I think it's questionable right. all around. No, yeah. Um, but especially you know, here, right? Yeah, and and like it's driven me from certain internet gaming forums sure. or subreddits that I used to go to when like people are like, we are the community. We understand the game better than mm-hmm. the, the devs do. <laughs> um, you know, uh, if like you guys can't make this change, even though we have no idea what a dev process is, you guys are idiots and lazy. If we were doing you know? this, we'd just like throw multiplayer in there and get it done. And it's like, my dude, yeah. you don't know the words <laughs> that you are saying. And like, that's okay that you don't know. There are ways for you to right. learn, but to be an asshat, <laughs> to use the kind of like the buzzword now, to, to just be a total jerk about it and like make assumptions about people's work and what it's like to be in the industry is like, that's not okay. Like you can do that homework. You can learn what it's like to make a game. You can do it yourself. Like there's so many tools for you to become a dev and to actually do that work too. And it's like, people need to like, treat this relationship as an opportunity for education and not an opportunity to make demands and yell at people and chase them out of their jobs. I mean, that's bare minimum, right? I mean, that's what we hope for, right? right. It's like yeah. the, the industry that is still very, very young. Yeah, truly. If you look at it in the grand scheme of industry, just a few decades, it, it, we should it, absolutely. Right. It's like in my lifetime, in the time that I've been on this planet, that's been pretty much the time that gaming has been here. Right. And that's about 40 to 40 to 42 years or so like that. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I'm I'm down with that. It makes it makes more sense. Can I when you when you think about it in those terms, and also the, the, yeah. the how bad that stuff goes because of I like that. you dating Can yourself. I, by the way, I am 73 years old. Look at my skin; it That's glistens. Pretty good. Damn, wish my skin was like that. I'm just saying this is because it's, cause it's all sweat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's all it's all sweat. Go ahead, Reef. I'm sorry. I know I know you had a thing to say. Um, no, I mean, so I wanted to uh, talk a bit about, and I didn't see this on the site. And I'm not sure if this is something that mm. you guys even deal with, but I know that. So a lot of conversations I've heard about unions back when I used to work a uh, a corporate job was about like dues. Mm. Like a lot of people felt huh. like, well, if I'm not down with the union, I don't want to have to pay for the dues. It's like, if you're not down with the union, then okay, don't lead a middle class life with stable benefits and a paycheck and a 401k. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And and the argument was always a, well, the union uplifts for everybody. Yeah, even if you're not paying, it's like you're benefiting from the union. Yeah, is is, is that something that you guys anticipate um, or have you guys had like discussions about as you get, I guess, further in the formal stages of like unionization, like how to... Mm fund it and anticipating that kind of response so i mean actually this is a good this is a good point to say that so like i feel like a lot of people don't understand the fundamental like real simple like legal practical form that is a union people think a union is like some third party that comes in and like makes a lot of demands and like gets in the way between workers and their product and all these things right and they suck up a lot of bureaucratic time and suck up your money. That is not accurate, actually. Like, just quite simply, a union is just the people in the shop together saying, hey, we want to, like, you know, say the same thing with the same voices and make sure that we're, you know, getting our seat at the table together. Um, And so that means a union can take whatever form, essentially, that the people in the company doing that work 
in the union want it to be, right? Um, it can be kind of run however you like. Um, I mean, unions vary differently from like shop to shop, sometimes industry to industry, um, especially country from country when you're talking about that stuff. But um, so, I mean, there's a lot of discussion about like what potential unions for various groups um, should look like, what the due structure should be like, how to set up kind of like things like a comp operating cost constitution and things like that. But, um, I mean, it's all speculation for the most part now. Um, but mm -hmm. we'll start seeing that. One thing I'll say though, is like, I mean, a lot of the people in the organization, even though we're not a union to be clear, we are an, an advocacy group for unionizing right. the games industry. Um, a lot of people want to pitch in their money to help fund this, this action and this movement because it's so vitally important to us. So like, when people see those material benefits granted by unionization, most people are like really stoked to pay dues. Like my, my mother is a physician who just joined um, like a public practice where they're all unionized. And she was so mm. stoked to pay her union dues because her vacation is up by double with this new job. Nice. She nice. has way more vacation. She has much better yep. working hours. She doesn't do on call. You know, she's not at the Ooh, demand. Wow. I know, right? For a no doctor, it's pretty, no, it's pretty good. Madness. It's pretty good. Um, take my money. Right. Yeah. So my mom's like, I don't yeah. give a shit. Like they could charge me 30 bucks, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. Like it's worth it because like all the time back, the benefits, the feeling of investment and cooperation and the longevity, people find a lot of investment when they actually get to literally invest in the future of their union and their workforce. So yeah. yeah anyway, that's just kind of like one tangent on that. But, um, yeah. Do you mind if I actually like highlight a couple comments in the in the chat that I wanted to to no. know? Yeah, no. please. Just oh, please, please. Just briefly. And we have some questions from from some folks on Twitter too. Cool. Who uh, who asked who asked a couple? Awesome. Yep. So I just wanted to shout out to Mikeanthrope who said um, a friend was doing a paid internship for a game company and then they laid everyone off, but he stayed on as unpaid um, for his internship in the hopes of getting another contract in the future. I just want to say like stories like that are in every single game studio with minor exception like frankly my story in the games industry starts with an unpaid internship that went on for nine months then i Damn. then i became wow. yeah then i became a paid intern which was great um and uh the only difference was i was making below minimum wage which was better um but i still couldn't afford you know rent and food and lovely things like that um couldn't <laughs> afford my car payments um oh. And yeah, no, like, so like people are doing unpaid internships and like terrible low paying jobs and, and unstable jobs and compromising their, their own stability and, and quality of life just to get in the games industry. Like just to put your foot in the door, people are doing right. unpaid labor. Like people should think about that and really sit on that for yeah. a moment because I mean, this is happening genuinely all across the world in this industry most studios are doing this kind of stuff um and like to say that these people aren't desperate for for you know the chance to work in in this medium that they love is um it's it's absurd to think that devs are not appreciative of the positions that they're in um and you know people should be banding together to you know make sure that these kind of on ramps into the industry aren't things like unpaid internships and stuff um, the question I was going to ask, sure. uh, we're not going to ask because you answered it already. Oh, uh, so, <laughs> uh, so yes. look at you being dope on that. End. You saw the um, future. You saw the future. You saw it coming. Um, 
the one thing I want to ask before we let you go, because I would love to have you on the show for like two and a half hours. Like, <laughs> if we could just bring you on every other week and be like, yeah, hey, we need to talk about this kind I'm of free. stuff. I'm free. We, we, def- we definitely want to have you back on the awesome. show. Um, but before we let you go, I want to know what are some actionable steps mm. that the folks who are home, uh, you know, listening to the show, folks who are in the chat right now sure. can take to kind of help better the cause, to help amplify what you're all doing. Sure. And to, you know, I I love the fact that I saw folks canvassing um, yeah. for, for, for this for this wonderful cause. And to be clear, that, that wasn't proponent. just members of the organization. We had volunteers coming yeah. out like, hey, I live in L.A. Can I help you guys like distribute stuff at E3? And we're like, uh, awesome. yes, sure. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, That's cool. Yeah. Dope. Like people want to get involved. So this is a perfect question. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. What are some ways that, that you would want folks to kind of, you know, locally, if there's a chapter mm-hmm. close to them, or you know, touching towards the the kind of um, the, the the bigger the bigger org itself? What are, what are some ways? What are some actionable steps sure. that folks can take to to get involved and to to help the cause move forward? So number one is educating yourself. Um, really, like just hands down, the number one best thing you can do is do some basic reading, you know, some basic union 101. What does it really mean to form a union? How does it benefit workers? Um, I mean, you're going to get part of that just from following us on Twitter at Game Workers um, or any of our various local chapters. But um, if you want a good kind of breakdown of a lot of kind of like introduction to labor and like the benefits of like labor organizing, uh, you can go to our, our website and then go to our resources page. Um, we have a lot of good lists of like really easy, accessible reading materials, just like basic articles and expl- explainers for like, what is a union? What does that mean in the United States? What is a union? Mm. What does that mean in the in the UK? Um, things mm. like what are some examples of like exploitative business practices in the games industry? It's been very well documented by our press. Um, so like we have all those things on our website, on our resources page, um, gameworkersunite.org. Um, slash resources. Um, so number one is get educated, right? Number two is just amplify our message. Um, the number one thing, like actually you started the show off with, you know, kind of that question about like, uh, one of the main things is like, yeah, how do we make sure people are on our side? Um, and how do, how do people kind of support the cause? And it's, it's getting that message out there. And it's not just, um, it doesn't matter if you have 10 followers or 10,000. It's like, passing this information along and talking to your friends, talking to your coworkers about these kinds of issues are really important. And frankly, like the, the, the strongest way to build a, a labor movement is through person to person, one-on-one meaningful contact and conversations about these things, just with your coworkers over lunch or over a beer after work. Um, or, you know, with your D and D group chat about these things or share a link in your discord or whatever, like, little things build up and like help raise the consciousness of the community. Um, and then like, yeah, if you want to get actually involved, um, I mean, for now there's no way to material support us really. Um, there's no like donation method for us right now. Um, although we're looking into things like that. Um, but I mean, yeah, get involved with your local chapter. Um, we have, like I've said, we have chapters in North America, South America, um, Australia. We have a chapter, we have several chapters in, in Europe. Um, and only more coming in the future. Um, and, you know, find your local chapter if you have one. Uh, if you don't, you can join the international uh, group and either help start one or hang out and help with uh, other things in the meantime until, you know, things get underway in your community. Um, and so you can go to gameworkersunite.org slash get involved. Um, it's on our website. 
and it's got a full list of the chapters. It's got a pretty little interactive map with all the different chapters on, on across the globe. It's really fun to look at, um, at least for me. And um, yeah, so like get involved, you know, start talking to people, start, you know, just amplifying the message and start educating yourself. That's that's what I can say for both, you know, people working in the games industry, for people who have spouses in the games industry, for people in the press, for people who just play games at home and want to support this stuff and help us make better, more sustainable games and careers um, out of this awesome field that we work in. And I'll add a a really quick thing that like it's it takes very little effort to showcase and to share with devs that, you know, are doing good work, that you appreciate. Yeah. I'll tell you, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than like someone being like, man, I wish y'all could just get home and sleep because like, I want this game to be good and I want y'all to be good. You know, like, like those people warm our hearts, you know? So, um, it really means a lot to, you know, spread that positive stuff around, you know? Well, Emma, you have killed it on this episode. (laughs) This has been incredible. This has been a fantastic, fantastic episode. I want to thank you again so much. For coming through and hanging out with us in Chicago and sharing your wealth of knowledge with everybody here and at home. Uh, we absolutely definitely want to figure out ways that we can get involved with all the stuff that you're doing and with Game Workers Unite sure. and see how much we can help with, with um, not just signal boosting stuff, but getting out in the field and doing stuff, too. I definitely want to be able to doing figure that out a way work, that maybe we can groundwork. maybe we can figure out a way to do a swan for good together. Yeah, that absolutely. would be funky, too. No, we'd be super interested yeah. in that. And we're super appreciative of you guys, you know helping use your platform to help boost this message and um i mean the work that you guys do is like invaluable um it really really is and so we super appreciate being a part of your show as well and a part of your community well now well now you, you are officially a part of the bricago yes. bricago family yes. you are a bricago resident <laughs> uh for sure uh, we'll have to figure out a way to get you some cheddar bay biscuits <laughs> Uh, God, and, that sounds good. A way to get those, that sounds so get good. Get those over to you in some <laughs> form or fashion. Um, but until then, I'm going to drop it off on Reef's lap and let him give everyone the social media business. Okay. Once you get off my lap, I think I can say the business. I said uh, I dropped it in I'm your lap. Exactly, I didn't get into your lap. Like, like I'm not that's exactly, a whole other show. That's a whole I'm different show. That's a whole other union. That's Spawn After that's Dark, other, I think. Are there yes. unions for yes. Cool. I like the plug. Wait, wait, dude, that was a dope we, plug. That almost sounds like we set that up, but I swear we didn't, guys. We didn't um, at all. That was totally just sell the blue. Um, okay, so spawnon.me is our main website. Get all the past shows, our pretty faces, bios, all that good stuff. Um, if you want to reach us out on social media, it's Spawn on Me on Twitter and Facebook, Spawn on Me Podcast on Instagram, Spawn on Me Podcast at gmail.com if you want to. Uh, send us a email if the 280 character is not enough for you. Um, and if you want to um, check out our live Twitch show, it's on Thursday nights at 7.30 um, Pacific, 10.30 Eastern at twitch.tv slash spawn, spawn on me. Um, and of course, the uh, audio podcast is like released on Tuesdays normally um, on, the, uh, on, the, on the following Tuesday. And you can like subscribe to that on you know, basically any uh, podcast grabber network that you have. Um, also, if you want to go above and beyond to support us as well, uh, make sure to go to patreon.com slash spawn on me. Um, th- that way you can get access to some of our premium content. Um, and also just like help us to upgrade our like hardware and our software and our business travel, all that great stuff to, you know, to help uh, bring you 
um, most of the content, sorry, the best content that we can. <laughs> um, also, if you want some merch, um, check out our T, our T public, uh, store as well. Uh, you can get shirts and mugs and pillows and iPhone cases and all that kind of stuff there at the spawn on me T, T public stores. So if you go there and search for spawn on me, our store will pop up there. Word, word and word. Um, I put the blast out, uh, on Twitter, Earlier today, uh, I'm looking to see about our next Spawn for Good event. Uh, we're looking to possibly do something in terms of getting the getting out the vote uh, for the midterm elections because we got to get nice. that dude up out of here. <laughs> uh, so we're trying to look for folks who are politically active, politically aware, uh, so that we can get a voter registration drive together uh, and do some gaming while we make that happen. So uh, thank you this week and every week for coming through and hanging out with us in Chicago. Uh, we want to say we that we love you all and thank you for all the support that you've given us this week uh, and every week with Patreon and everything else. Uh, we have more stuff coming very, very soon. So thank you everybody at home. Uh, we say peace. 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 peace.